Uh, But let's pray and dive into the word this morning. God, we are just so, so thankful for today. And God, I'm grateful for Henry standing up and shouting out your goodness as God, we all did that while we were singing these songs as well. Uh, And God, I just pray that this year will be yet another year where we see your goodness. That as we start 2023 right now in 365 days, when this year comes to an end, that we can sing again of the goodness of God, that we have tasted and seen how good and loving and compassionate and powerful you are. God, I pray that each and every one of us this year, we won't doubt, we won't wonder if you are good, we won't wonder if you are loving. Uh, God, we might not always understand what you're doing, but God, we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are a God of love, a God of compassion, a God who is still moving and active in the world today, just like you were in all these stories we read in Scripture. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to be here this morning as you already are. God, we want to encounter you. God, we have chosen to be here at the very beginning of the year, January 1st. Uh, God, all of us have chosen to make this a priority in our lives this morning to be here, whether we're here by choice or we were forced to be here by parents or whatever it might be. God, we are all here. And so, God, I just pray that you will make this time worth it for us as we glorify your name this morning. So God, as we dive into scripture, as we dive into your word, God, I just pray that you will help us all to learn something new about you, about your character, about how to live in right relationship with you. God, we want to be a church that is totally dedicated to you and to your word. Uh, God, we want to stand out as different, not to elevate ourselves or to elevate our church, but to elevate you, Jesus, a world that is desperately in need of you and your way of doing things. God, I pray that you will help us to be those ambassadors today and every day this year. And so, God, just illuminate your scripture to us this morning. Help us to see clearly what you have for us and help us to live differently uh, when we leave at the end of the service. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so good to see you all this morning as we uh, start into a new series, New Year. Uh, And so it's one of these things that, uh, you know, I'm not really surprised at the end of the day that I'm preaching this morning and not James for a couple reasons. One, uh, Pastor James and his wife Hannah, they did have their baby girl yesterday, and so we're very excited for them. Everyone seems to be happy and healthy. Uh, To my knowledge, they don't have a name yet, and so we can be praying that they are able to peacefully come to a good resolution on the name of their new baby girl. They didn't know until yesterday if it was a boy or a girl. They wanted the surprise there, and so they had a boy's name but not a girl's name, so they're (laughs) behind the eight ball and figuring out the name. Uh, But when James mentioned to me about a month ago that he wanted to start the year off doing a study of the book of the Bible, and he wanted to do a study of the book of Daniel, I was just like, oh, for those of you who don't know, my wife four months ago had our first son named Daniel. And so to me, when James said we're going to have this series on the book of Daniel, and Hannah, was her due date was January, the first week of January, I kind of figured the Lord was working it out for me to be able to preach uh, one of these series, if not the first one, on the book of Daniel. So surprise, surprise, here I am, and uh, James and Hannah are welcoming their third child into the world. So as we dive into this, one thing just to put on your radar, just so you know, the name Daniel means God is my judge. And so in a world where things don't always seem fair or just and things aren't as they should be, it can be comforting to know that God is our judge. Now that can be scary on one hand because God can indeed judge sin and we're sinners. The good part is that he also is the one who extends the grace and forgiveness. And so if you've ever felt in the world in the past couple of years, past couple of decades, that things aren't fair, things 
things aren't right, we can find comfort in Daniel's name that God is our judge. And so I want to set the stage a little bit for the book of Daniel as we dive into chapter one this morning of the book of Daniel. So the book of Daniel, uh, main character is God, but Daniel is a big part of the book of Daniel, and he was about 16 years old when we pick up the story. And so we're talking about a teenager here. And so he was an Israelite, and the Israelites uh, in Judah, people from Judah, had been taken out of their own country to live in the country of Babylon, the world powerhouse at the time. So the Babylonians came in, overwhelmed Israel, took their best and brightest out of their country to live in Babylon, and basically they wanted to impact and influence Babylon, uh, uh, all the other countries, by basically teaching all of the best and brightest of Israel and the other countries to think like Babylonians, to talk like Babylonians, to act like Babylonians, and to worship like Babylonians. The culture as a whole was trying to completely change and transform the people to forget their identity uh, in their relationship with God and to instead become these Babylonian people. And so I don't know about you, but it seems like we live in a world that's not so different, right? The world we live in now, even our beloved country, it seems like culture wants to convince us to talk differently, to act differently, to think differently, and to worship differently. And so in some ways, we can resonate, even though we haven't been physically taken from our country, we can resonate living in a world that is trying to shape and change who we are and how we think and how we identify with God. Uh, and so I kind of cling to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, as we look at what that says. Uh, I'll just read it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Again, Daniel means God is our judge. And so we look at this. Paul is, or Peter is warning us that we need to be temporary residents and foreigners. Even in this beloved country we have, the best country in the world, United States of America, this isn't our final home, right? Because I don't know about you, but to some extent, it's things aren't as they should be. We can all agree that things aren't as they should be. And so our hope for the new heavens and the new earth, our hope for heaven, is that there's something better out there. Right? And so we can do everything we can to make our country better, as we should, but we have to know that we're made for something different as Christians. We're made for something more. And so we can identify with Daniel as an exile in Babylon, as someone living in the in-between of not yet what it's going to be with the new heavens and the new earth, living in a culture that is trying to change how we think and what we think about and how we talk and how we worship God. And so even while we indeed love our country deeply, we can acknowledge that we're just strangers passing through to a better land one day in the new heavens and the new earth. So let's dive into Daniel and kind of see what's going on. So we're going to be reading from Daniel chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then we're going to jump ahead and read verses 11 through 20. So we're going to read a large chunk of scripture here, but just track with us and we'll go from there. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. 
But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So pause there before we dive into verse 11. But already they are taken from their own country, their own land. They're given new names. They're given new food. They're basically given this new identity. From the very beginning, Babylon is trying to shape and change Daniel and his friends to be different people, right? Okay, let's keep going and see what happens. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by king, when the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The men talked with him, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So what we see here is basically Daniel and his friends, his three friends, they are put in this conundrum. And so they knew the Old Testament well. They knew the Levitical law well. And a big part of the Levitical law for the Jews and the Israelites was what they ate. What they ate was a really big deal for them. And so what they were not, they were allowed to eat meat. And so it's not like they were vegetarians. Um, and so it's kind of why did they not eat the king's meat? Well, Babylon was known for eating a lot of pork and a lot of horse, two things that the Israelites were not allowed to eat. And so as they are making this decision, they're trying to decide what is their priority because they're about 16 years old. These are teenagers we're talking about. Probably the only time in human history that four teenage boys were offered really good food and they turned it down, right? Never happens. And so, but they turned down this delicious food, the best the world had to offer in Babylon, because it's not like they were like, I need to watch my figure and lose a couple pounds this year, right? That's why I'm going to go out on a diet in January. But they were doing it for specific spiritual reasons, right? It was because of their faith and their commitment to God, commitment to the Old Testament, commitment to the Levitical law, why they were not eating the king's food. It's either they knew they were being served pork and horse and all these other unacceptable foods that they didn't want to file themselves with, or because that was so prominent, they didn't want to chance it. Right? They wanted to be committed to God and his way of doing anything, even in the king's palace. Now think about it. Once again, you've got four teenage boys in, taken from their own country to live in a foreign land, and they're basically being put to the test. Hey, are you fit to serve in the king's palace? Are you fit to be leaders of this new era that we're bringing in? And so if they didn't do what the king said and they weren't up to standards, do you think it was going to go very well for them? No. Right? They, there were severe consequences that would have been in place for Daniel and his friends if they didn't look up to the standards, because they were defying the king's orders by doing this. The king said, eat the best that I have to offer so that you look the best so you can serve me. And they said, 
no, we're not going to do that. And so defying the king's order, you can imagine, wouldn't have very good consequences for them if they hadn't been up to standards. Um, We'll talk about what happens kind of at the end. And so they had this decision to make. Are they going to be committed first and foremost to God, or are they going to be first and foremost committed to the culture that they were living in? And they decided God. And so the first thing that I want to talk about this morning, point number one, is make up your mind. You need to make up your mind. I need to make up my mind of what is the most important thing for you in life and as we start a new year in 2023. What is going to be your priority? What is going to be the way you decide how you're going to make decisions this year? Right? What is going to be the biggest thing? Is it going to be family history? Is it going to be what's going to make you the most money? Is it what's going to make you the most physically fit? Is it going to be what's going to benefit you the most? Or is it going to be what the Lord has said? Right? There's so many different ways we go about making decisions. And so you have to make up your mind what is going to be your means of making decisions this year. Right? And so Daniel and his friends, his three amigos, decided their decision-making process was going to be, what has God already revealed to us? What has God said? And they said, we're going to make up our minds to do this. Because it would have been really easy. Who's ever made up their mind to do something and then 10 minutes later changed it? Me, right? All of us have. And so it's hard to stay committed to that. But we have to stay committed to making up our mind and staying committed to that. Right? And Jesus talks about it, how we have to go forward, and we can't always look back uh, to uh, what things were or what we've given up or what things were like. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Those are some hard words. They're not fit for the kingdom of God. So as Christians, part of what Jesus calls us to is to go forward in our faith, to make up our mind that God is the most important person and serving him is the most important thing in our life. And if we're constantly looking back to be like, you know, it was kind of fun when I got to make my own decisions, right? Because the truth of the matter is when we truly commit to being Christians in the lordship of Jesus, he's going to ask you and me to do things that we don't want to do, and he's going to ask us to not do things that we do want to do. And so we can't wonder and worry about what would it have been like if I had been able to basically have all those decisions in my own court, but we have to go forward and say, I've made up my mind. Like, I'm, sure, I'm positive that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they are there in the king's court, you get these teenage boys, I am positive that they are wondering, was it really a big deal for us not to be able to eat this food? Is it really that big of a deal to eat pork? Is that that big of a deal? I am sure that they were wondering that, but their commitment was even if they didn't understand why, their commitment was still to do what God asked them to do. Because there are things that I read in Scripture that I don't always understand why God does what he does or why God says to do what he calls us to do. But our commitment needs to do, yes, I'm going to follow through even if I don't understand. And so Daniel and his friends weren't worrying about what was behind. They were plowing forward with what was ahead and all that God called him to do. And as we make up our minds in this way, we have to understand that things aren't always going to go the best for us if we do that in an earthly sense, right? If you follow God as passionately as you possibly can this year, that does not mean you're going to be a millionaire in 2023, right? 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to have any friends or family members say hard, difficult things to you this year. It's not going to mean your car's not going to break down this year if you commit to following Jesus. All of these things can happen when we commit to following Jesus, right? You look at so many people in the scriptures, in the Old Testament and New Testament, when they make up their mind to follow God, it's not that life is always easy, but it is always good, right? There's a huge difference between the two, what is easy and what is good. And so you look at Abraham. He struggled. He wandered around. He had his wife taken from him two different times. Um, You look at all the struggles Isaac had of finding a wife. Job was kind of the pawn in this conversation between the Lord and Satan. Moses wandered around for 40 years, never got into the promised land. Most of the prophets were ridiculed and made fun of. A bunch of them died for proclaiming God's goodness. You look at the New Testament. All the disciples but one were killed for being followers of Jesus. Making that commitment to make up your mind to follow Jesus does not mean things are going to be easy, but does mean things are going to be good. Because I guarantee you, of all of those people, all of the hardships that they faced, if you were to talk to them right now in heaven, not a one of them would be like, yeah, I regret following God. Right? Not one of them are going to say they regret it, even though it was difficult and hard and challenging. And so we don't need to be fooled into thinking that committing to God is easy, but we do need to be reminded that it's good and right and that God is always going to take care of us. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed, right? And so we have, when we talk about committing our actions to the Lord, it's not just like, I'm going to start a business this year and commit that to God and therefore I'm going to make millions of dollars, right? You could, you might, that might be part of God's plan. But the success, when it talks about your plans will succeed, it is talking spiritually, right? Look at Daniel and his three friends. They committed their plans to God. They said, we're going to follow the Levitical law and how it calls us to eat and what it calls us to not eat. That was their commitment. They prayed about it, they sought God over it, and they committed that plan to God. And did the plan succeed? Absolutely, right? At the end of the 10 days, at the end of that trial period, they look better and stronger than anyone else because they committed that plan to God. And God helped them to spiritually succeed by looking better and stronger. Uh, And then you look at even after that, even after the 10-day trial period, when they go before the king, even more so, the king puts his stamp of approval. It's like, who are these four? These four are awesome. Let's get more people like them. It's not necessarily because they were great, but it's because they were committed to God and to his way of doing things. And so they were able to succeed in God's plans in their life because they committed those plans to God, right? We see all kinds of stuff like that. And so this year, all of us have plans for this year. All of us are like, I'm going to do this differently 2023. I'm going to do this differently. I'm not going to do that. Uh, But we have to make sure that our primary plans are plans for the Lord, right? How am I going to lead my family closer to the Lord? How am I going to point my friends closer to Jesus? How am I going to be a good boss? How am I going to be a good employee? How am I going to fill in the blank, be a good parent, be a good uncle, be a good aunt? How am I going to point all of those people to Jesus this year, right? We have all of those things that we need to prioritize, and we need to have those spiritual priorities as number one, right? That's incredibly important. And another thing that I want to point out, as we commit these plans to the Lord this year, and as we make up our minds to follow him, we need to do that together, right? We need to make up our minds together to follow Jesus. Because you look at it, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was it just one person? There were four of them, right? All four of them. Because once again, I am sure that in that 10-day period, they were probably having some doubts, like, what if we don't, like, 
live up to the standard? What if the king looks at us and like he kills us because we don't look as strong as everyone else? I'm sure they had their doubts, but because it wasn't just one of them, they were able to encourage each other. They were able to challenge each other to keep going forward. Right? And so we need each other. And that's not just Daniel and his friends. Look at the New Testament. When Jesus sends the disciples out, right? He sends them out to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim the good news, all that stuff. When he sends them out, does he send them out to different towns and villages on their own? No, he sends them out in pairs of two, right? So we need each other. If you want to be the best follower of Jesus, you can be this year. If I want to be the best follower of Jesus, I can be this year and making a huge impact for his kingdom and on this planet. I need you all to help me succeed in that. And you all need each other to succeed in that, right? Daniel had his group of friends. All the disciples had the other person. And so if you want to make this a year where you read the Bible more than you've ever read, where you journal about what God's doing in your life, uh, if you want to, you know, we're going to do something to care for the poor this year. We're going to pray every day for a family member. We're going to show love to that person at school or that coworker. You have to do it with someone because there's going to be a day when you're not going to want to do what God calls you to do. There might be a day or two where you mess up and you don't do it. And so you need someone to encourage you, but hey, get back on track. Let's get back on track together to do that. And so I encourage you, kind of take a moment, look around who all is in here, because these might be some good people who you can go to and talk to today to say, hey, help me this year be the person that God calls me to be. When things are hard, when things are difficult, like look around and see who those people are. Who Day one of 2023, they thought it enough of a priority to be here, to hear more about God and to grow in their faith with God. And so I encourage you to look around after the service and talk to someone and be like, hey, let's do this together this year. Let's make this truly a year where God comes first in my life and in our life uh, as a church. Okay, so make up your mind and stay committed to it. Second thing I want to talk about this morning, point number two, is don't let the world move you, right? Don't let the world move you. Look at Daniel and his friends. Immediately, the world is trying to move them. He's trying to change the way they think. They get new names right off the bat. They're even changing their very identity in their names. Babylon wanted to move and change Daniel and who they were and in the lives that they lived. And guess what? We live in a world that wants to change us and move us away from our faith and move us into different ways of living. But we have to stay committed to God's way of doing things and not be moved. We can't move an inch. And this is why scripture is so important. This is why the Bible is so important and getting to know the Bible is so important. Because you can look at our culture and world today and compare morality and what culture says is good today versus 10 years ago, totally different. Compare it to 50 years ago, totally different. So over time, culture, society, countries change what they think is good and moral, and you go from country to country. You could go to England, you could go to Chile, you could go to Iran, you could go to Australia, you go to all these different places in the world today. Are they going to, all the countries and cultures agree on what's good and right? Absolutely not, right? As humans, we cannot figure out what is good and right. We can't agree on that. And so we need God's standard. We need the scriptures to help us know where do we stand firm? Where do we stand strong? Like, what do we cling to as morality? What do we cling to as right and wrong? Because God has already revealed that. It's the beauty of God. God hasn't hidden it from us, right? God's not sitting up in heaven like, ha, they're never going to figure out what's sinful and what's not. He has already revealed that to us. He wants us to walk in right relationship with him. And so that's why scripture is so important. So we know where we're not going to budge. We know how we're not going to move because the world wants to move you. 
right? Uh, and so when we look at it, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. There, Paul encourages Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. And the the truth is, as we cling to God's word, as we cling to uh, what he has said is right and wrong, as we make sure we're not moving away from that, we have to make sure we are standing in what's right and wrong. That's why the Bible's important. Because there are times in life that I've said, yeah, that's not wrong. And then the more I study scripture, it's like, oh, God actually does not approve of that. Or there are things that I've thought, oh, that's totally wrong. And God's like, no, that's not really, that's not what I've said. And so we, culture is going to try to move us and we can't let culture move us, but if we're out of alignment with what Scripture says, if Scripture says we need to be here and we're over here, then we totally need to let God move us a mile if he has to, to help us get us to where we need to be, right? And so that's why we need to hold on to that sound teaching, right? It's kind of like a football, right? When you're playing football, if you're holding the football, all the defenders want to do what to the football? Knock it out of your hand, right? They want you to fumble, they want you to drop it, they want to knock it out of your hand. Culture, society, the world, they want to knock out the sound teaching that God has. If you're clinging to it, the world is trying to strip that from you and take it away. And so that's why it's so important to hold strong, to hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. It's not just a passive thing, right? If you just are just relaxed and never think about holding on to the sound teaching of God, then it's going to be knocked out of your hand. It's an active thing that we have to do, not a passive thing that we have to do right? And so you cannot let yourself be deviated from what God has called you to do. You can't let yourself be deviated. Uh, And so as I talk about, we're we're like exiles in Babylon here in the United States, once again, love our country, um, but it's not perfect, and that's okay. Uh, But my favorite superhero is indeed Captain America, and I don't like, you know, it's kind of weird that I can tell you the moment that Captain America became my favorite superhero, uh, because growing up it was Spider-Man, who's still close second. Um, but it switched. Um, I didn't read much comic books growing up, but there was a stretch my junior and senior year of high school that I read comic books, and so I was reading this comic book, The Amazing Spider-Man comic 537. It was part of the Civil War series, um, which they made a movie about, which is mostly similar to the comics, but I want to read, so basically there's this dispute between superheroes and stuff like that, and there's two sides, Captain America's side and Tony Stark's side, and so they're trying to sway Spider-Man on which side to be, and they're having this conversation, and Captain America says this to Spider-Man, which should be on the screen. It doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. And so when it comes to our faith, we live in a world that is trying to shape and change us just like it tried to shape and change Daniel. And he had the most powerful country at the time, 
trying to get him to walk away from his faith. He had the king of Babylon there pressuring him to do things that God told him not to do. And so he had the decision, is he going to let the culture shift and move him, or is he going to stay planted firm in his faith? And he told the king, no, you move. I'm not budging from this spot. And so when it comes to our faith in God and the teachings of the scriptures of what God has revealed to us, right, we have to look at it. And if it's not in scripture, we can budge. But if it's in scripture, we have to look at the world, the culture, whoever it is, family members, friends, and say, no, you move. I'm not getting out of the way. That's not to say we can't be kind and compassionate in the process, right? We should still, as Christians, always be the most loving people on the planet. If people want to know what love is, they should look at the lives that we live as Christians and the way we follow Jesus. But it means we cannot budge from the teachings of Scripture, just like Daniel refused to budge. And so when the world wants to move you, we and that's why we need each other, because sometimes it's easy to be, oh, just move aside a little bit, right? Oh, train's coming, I'm going to get just enough out of the way. But we need each other to encourage us to plant ourselves like a tree by the river of truth according to what the Scripture teaches. So we need to make sure we don't budge at all. Point number three is wait for God to show out. Wait for God to show out. And so you look at Daniel and his story. It could have ended where he wasn't strong enough and he didn't live up to the standards and he was either kicked out of Babylon or killed or whatever it might be. That totally could have been the ending of the story and he would have done the right thing, right? But often when we truly commit ourselves to God, once again, not that he's necessarily going to make us a millionaire, he could, but when we commit ourselves to God, he is going to show up and he is going to show out. He is going to take care of us in the ways that we truly need. Now, we might not understand why he does certain things in certain timing, but at the end of the day, God is going to show up in ways that we don't expect. And so here's something that I want us to think about as we start 2023. When we think about God showing up and his power and his might and stuff like that, if I want God to do a great thing in my life this year, who is stronger, me or God? Pretty easy question, right? God is much more stronger and capable. So who is more likely and able to accomplish great things in my life this year? God or me? Again, pretty easy question. God. And so as we think about this year, as I think about this year, I need to make sure I am devoting time and energy towards letting God move and work in my life. Right? Because there are times that we try to meddle and do things on our own, not in God's timing or God's way of doing things, and we mess it up. Right? I, I think about how many people, you know, you've tried to fix a problem, like you, you made a mistake and you tried to make it better before your family found out about it, and you just made it 10 times worse. Right? Anyone ever else done that? I have. Uh, you look at Abraham in the Old Testament. God told him he's going to be the father of many nations, all this stuff, the promised seed is going to come through him. And he didn't get it right the first time, right? He took things into his own hands. Instead of waiting patiently on God, he ends up marrying his wife's servant and causes a whole world of problems that's still impacting our world today, right? So sometimes when we want to do something, even if we want to do it for God, we try to do it in our own timing and our own abilities, and we make it 10 times worse instead of just waiting patiently on God to reveal and show us what he calls us to do. And so that's why praying and waiting is so important in what we're doing. Um, 
Just because we take time to be patient and wait on the Lord doesn't mean we don't do anything, though, right? We should still be seeking God. Now, he might tell us just to totally step back and wait and watch him do what he needs to do. But often when God calls us to pray and seek and wait on him, he ends up calling us into something else. I don't have these verses on the screen, but if you read Matthew chapter 9, you look at Matthew chapter 9, the very end of the chapter, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? The harvests are plentiful, but the workers are few. And so God says that. Uh, and now often when we read the Bible, like you look at chapter 9 of Matthew, you get to the end of chapter 9, you kind of pause, you reset your brain, you forget what you just read, and you move on to chapter 10, right? Some, we just do that. I don't know why we do it, but we all, I do it. You look, that's the end of chapter 9. The very beginning of chapter 10, so literally the next verses after God saying, the, telling the disciples to pray for workers of the harvest, guess what happens at the beginning of chapter 10? Jesus calls 12 of his disciples to him. He calls them apostles, and he sends them out to do the ministry that God has called them to do. So literally the end of chapter 9 is pray for workers of the harvest, the beginning of chapter 10 is Jesus sending out those very people he told to pray out into the community and out into the world. And so often when we are praying and seeking, 99% of the time when we are praying and seeking God over an issue, over something, over how we can commit our lives to him, when we pray and seek him over that, he will directly and almost immediately show us what our role is. And that role might be to pray more. That role might be to pick up a phone and call somebody. That role might be to get a little extra groceries at the grocery store this week to share with a family in need. Whatever it might be, God will often show us exactly what we have to do as we wait on him to do the bigger, better work, right? God always will show us our role when we pray and wait and seek him, right? Uh, another verse I want to share with you all, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. As soon as Henry started standing up and testifying earlier, this, I knew we were sharing this verse, he's seen for his life, he's tasted and seen the Lord is good. I've been alive 30 years. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I hope that most, if not all of you in your lives have already tasted and seen that the Lord is good, right? Not that everything's perfect, but God is good and he is faithful. And I want to point out, it says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him, right? Do we take refuge on nice sunny days? No, we take refuge when things are hard. And so I think about, this is a couple years ago now, there was a tornado coming through, and I was uh, delivering a mobile meals route that particular day. And, you know, this is, this is why women live longer than men. I'm like, I'm going to finish this route. I don't care if there's a tornado coming. I'm going to keep going. And then I get a call from Christine. She's like, there's a tornado coming. You need to pull over and take shelter, take refuge, essentially. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to finish it. And then eventually my better wisdom kicked in and I listened to my wife and I pulled over and took refuge, right? Uh, but you take refuge when things are hard and difficult and when difficulties are coming. And so in this verse, we are taking refuge. And when we do that, we're finding joy, right? When things are difficult, we can still find joy in the safety of God, right? We can still testify to the goodness that the Lord is even when the difficult times come, and even more so, we can testify to his good times, uh, to his goodness when the hard times come. And so as we think and pray and seek and wait on God, there are times that we, we should always be praying, uh, but I'll be honest, there are times that we don't have to pray much about certain situations, right? We have the Bible. God has already revealed a ton, and so if we want to know how God feels about 
uh, people who have not heard of him on the ends of the earth, we don't have to pray and ask God how he feels about people, right? We know that he loves him. Like, that's why he came. And so if we want to know how God feels about vulnerable children, we don't have to spend much time praying and seeking. Jesus has made it clear how he feels about that, right? If we want to know how God uh, feels about the poor, we don't have to wonder very long, right? He cares about the poor. So there are times we don't have to spend much time praying. Uh, And so just as we talk about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and God calls us to think, just because we wait on the Lord doesn't mean sometimes we don't have to walk out onto that branch. We don't have to step out. There are times we're going to have to step out on a limb in our faith with him, uh, even as we wait, right? I think about uh, two years ago, I get a call from Christine, and she's saying, hey, I just got a call from DSS, and they're wondering if we can take in uh, Lindsay for a couple months while they do little investigation things like that. And I'll be honest, I took about 10 seconds to pray about it, and because the reason I didn't take much time to pray about it is because I already knew exactly how God felt about children in need, right? I, it was pretty clear. And so we get a call from DSS. It's like, well, I, yeah, I'll take 10 seconds to pray. Okay, yep, it's exactly what you've already revealed in Scripture. Sure, we can take her in for three months. Does that mean that I was prepared or ready for a 12-year-old to plop into our home? No. We are not always going to be prepared and ready for what God has, but it's something that we can be committed to it and say, God, I am willing to step out on this limb because I have tasted and seen for 30 years that you are good, that you will provide, and that you will help in this situation, right? And so, you know, now Lindsay's 28 months into her three-month stay, and so we're excited and glad about that. And I hope now that she can say that she has tasted and seen that the Lord is good because of our, not just our ability, but our whole church and just people's willingness to say yes to God and to do what he calls us to do, right? And so, yes, we wait on the Lord. Yes, we pray. Yes, we seek. But we also have to be willing to step out on a limb when God shows and reveals to that either through prayer or through what he's revealed in Scripture, right? We have to be willing to do that. We ha- and God's going to show up when we do that. God's going to show up. He's going to take care of us when we commit our plans to him. He's always going to come through. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Such things were written in Scripture long ago to teach us, and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We live in the world of the not yet, right? God is in the process of fulfilling so many of his promises. You look at the Israelites, they waited hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years for the Messiah to finally come. They were waiting for that. Then Jesus came, and we're still in the in-between waiting time because one day he's going to have the second coming of Christ, and he's going to come and bring the fullness of salvation and recreate the new heavens and the new earth, and we're going to get to live in the beauty of that world that he's going to create without the hurt, without the pain, without the sorrow, without the betrayal, with all, of, all that's going to be gone. And so we're waiting on that day. We're waiting patiently for God to fulfill his promise in that. And so there are going to be times in your life and my life as we wait on God this year in 2023 that you're like, God, why haven't you fill in the blank? And you know what those things are. You're waiting on God right now for things, and you're wondering, why hasn't he come through yet, right? And that's a very valid question, and that's something you can go to him with, right? He's a big enough God. He can handle your questions, right? And so he can handle those questions and wonders that you have of why he hasn't come through in this situation. Uh, And you may not understand it now. You may not understand it in five years or 10 years, uh, but God has good reasons for why he is doing what he is doing right now. 
Uh, and so as we wait on those promises to fulfill, that's why it's so important to remember the times that we have tasted and seen that he is good. And to always be ready and willing to bring back those times when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That's why it was so, the Israelites, so many times, they would set up like, all right, we're going to stack these stones here. What's the point of the stack of stones? So we remember what God has done. Kind of a strange way to do it, but they would do it and they would pass it on for generations and generations. Look, that's, we, we look at this pile of stones or we look at whatever this is because God did this. And so as we go into 2023 and the questions that are going to face you and us and our world, remember the good things that God has done. Be willing to stand by that. Um, And so kind of as we wrap up this morning, just remember that Daniel and his three teenage friends were just thrown into the court of the most powerful person in the world, and they had to decide, are they going to make up their minds to follow God, or are they just going to go with the flow and what culture says and what is expected of them in that culture? And so Daniel and his friends stood relentlessly in the name of God. And so the question that we can kind of ponder this year is what are we going to stand for this year? What are we going to stand for? What are we not going to stand for? How are we going to make that bold stand like Daniel and his friends made? Right? Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. As we wait for God to do things this year, we're still going to have to be brave and courageous, right? Waiting isn't necessarily passive. There's going to be difficulty in waiting. It's going to take courage in waiting. And so we need to be brave and courageous as we wait for God to do all the things that he calls us to do, right? And so we need to stand up for God and we need to make sure the world doesn't budge us an inch. We stay planted and true and firm in our faith. And so what I want to do as we close the service, I'm going to ask Haley to come back up. She's going to play a little bit. And you know, in our individual lives, we're running around, especially Christmas, New Year's, we're going around doing this, that, this party, this family member, all that. And some, it's honestly hard to pause sometimes and actually pray and seek God. And even in services, it's hard to do that sometimes. And so I just want to take two, three minutes this morning where Haley's just going to play some music. I'm going to put three things on the screen for you to think about and ponder and pray about here as we wrap up this service. I just want to take you, you to take some time, and I'm going to do this too. And you can either do that at your seat if you want to come to the altar and pray at the altar. I'm probably just going to sit here on the edge of the stage. But just take a couple minutes just to pause and pray and reflect over these three questions. How can I stand for the Lord this year and remain undefiled from the world? What can I do differently this year that requires God to show up and not just something I can do in my own strength? And who do I need to talk to today to stand with me in serving the Lord? Because once again, those great plans that God has for your life, you can't accomplish it on your own. So who do you need to talk to today to stand with you in serving him? So Haley's just going to pray for two or three minutes. I'm going to sit and pray. And then whatever posture you want to take to pray and reflect, do that for a couple minutes. Lord, we do just come, and we're so thankful for this day. Uh, God, we're thankful for this year. Is It's hard to believe another year is here. It's hard to believe it's 2023. Uh, God, that seemed generations away when I was a kid, but God, I'm grateful to, to be in this year. I'm grateful to be in this church. I'm grateful to be uh, in the family that you've placed me in, and I'm just so grateful for all the things that you're doing. And God, I just simply ask for more. 
more of you, more of your spirit, more of your goodness, more of your grace, more of your mercy. Uh, God, all these ways that we rejoice in what you've done in our church in 2022. God, people were saved, people were baptized, people joined the church. Uh, God, we're so grateful. People grew in their faith in really profound ways this year. And so, God, we're just grateful for that, and we just ask for more. God, not that we're trying to lift up our church and uh, just put ourselves on a pedestal, but, God, we just want to put you on a pedestal. We want people to see how good you are. We want people to see how loving you are. We want to see people experience the freedom that comes with following Jesus, the joy that comes with following Jesus and laying down a life of sin and just living in your righteousness. God, we want people to see and experience that this year. And so, God, I just pray for us individually, every individual in here, and I pray for us collectively as a church, that we will all be filled with your Holy Spirit. God, that as we leave, we're not just leaving as people going to lunch, but we're leaving as people on mission to live for the Lord, to just to point people to you. God, whether it's people who need that reminder for the thousandth time before they commit their lives to you, or it's people who've never heard of who you are and what you did on the cross, Jesus. I pray that we can be uh, a people who are committed to seeing people saved and redeemed this year. God, I pray a year from now as we gather for a service in 2024 that we can give testimony even more so that we have all tasted and seen that you are good. God, I pray that every person in this congregation in the sanctuary right now will be able to say a year from now in tangible, real ways that you are good and you are strong and you are mighty and that you are worth taking refuge in and that you are worth taking stands for. And so, God, I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you will empower us all to do that. And God, I pray that you will encourage us to help us do that together. That as when times get difficult this year, because they will, that we will stand there hand in hand with each other, challenging and encouraging each other to make that commitment to Jesus and stand strong in our faith. And so, God, we just pray for more of you, more of your spirit. And God, as we wrap up this service, we ask for you to be glorified, not just now in this service, but just as much tomorrow and Tuesday and all these days as we go back to work before we meet again next week. God, we pray that you will be glorified through our life as a church. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You are dismissed.